Hi, and welcome to MR Explorer, where friends Z Johnson and Christina Perkins get together on a regular basis to learn and explore different topics regarding the market research industry. Welcome to today's episode. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to MR Explorer. I'm Z Johnson, and with me is Christina. Hey, Christina. Hi, Z. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, Christina, I have a a question that um, came to mind earlier this week, and I am very curious to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. Let's do it. All right. You know how in any industry, there's always this buzzword that goes around and it seems to stay for a while and then suddenly it just kind of disappears. It gets, I mean, it gets replaced by another new buzzy word that, you know, is said at every conference. Mm -hmm. The one that's been around probably for the last year and a half, maybe two years has been agile, agile research. Everything needs to be agile. Mm -hmm. The question that I thought of earlier this week was at what point does it go from Agile research to research. Yeah. Well, like at what point is like the ability to be flexible and to pivot table stakes? And the expectation of I'm going to send out a survey and it's going to come back within a day, within two days. And I'm going to have data and I'm going to have dashboards and I'm going to be able to do all of these things with it. And now I'm going to have exactly what I need to tell my stakeholder uh, in the meeting. And I didn't have to really worry about it until just two days ago. As someone that primarily does B2B research, like my mouth just watered. I'm like, is that possible? <laughs> I know, right? Right? Which let's start there. So much research, so much of market research and insights, customer insights is B2C. It's it's business to consumer. And we don't necessarily think about the impacts that all of these things that are taking place in that world, what those impacts will be to B2B research, which by nature is just, it's longer, it's more expensive, it's tougher to do. Well, so, it's interesting, like when, because again, for those new listeners that we might have. Yeah. Z and I are in two very different kinds of research worlds in that I, my focus right now where I have worked in consumer research in the past, both supplier vendor side and client side is I am right now client side doing primarily B2B research. And so when I have um, new solutions being presented to me, they're always consumer focused. And then when yes. I, whenever I bring up the, the possibility of like, can we do this in a, with commercial audiences? It's always like, oh, we're getting there or like, oh, not quite yet or whatever. Like, yes, but not targeted. Or yes. yes, but here are all of the reasons why it might not work the way that you think it is. It's yes. And let me give you this entire plate of caveats that you're going to need in order for you to interpret this information. Yeah. Or like, can we do this with our audiences? 
yeah, but, and then that's all. And I'm like, okay, like that's just, that's just not how this was created. And you also can't under, like, you can't go into, uh, uh, any kind of like presentation of new capabilities or anything like that, thinking that this was built for commercial audiences, Mm -hmm. me as a client, I can't, or like B2B audiences, I can't do that. I've learned Mm -hmm. that I can't do that. But also like there's typically never even an acknowledgement of like, like the examples that are always given are like CPG clients or something like that, which I get it. Like, but guess what? Like this is me generalizing and stereotyping. CPG consumers are like the easiest ones to get in the shortest amount of time. They just are. Like CPG consumers are probably as close to gen pop, general population as you get, as you're ever going to get. Exactly. And like I'll just tell you that when you're in a tech you're doing tech research, consumer, like B2C or B2B research. Like these are not easy to find people. And so like as soon as you're done presenting and we go, okay, but what if our IR is like a 5%? And then you say, oh, we're not really set up for that. And I'm like, then why are you here? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And also for for people who don't know, this, it's so funny listening to this, Christina, because I feel like our world switched when you were working in client side more directly with consumers. I was doing the B2B role, doing tech research, experiencing those exact things, like get super excited about technology, sit down with the person who just gave the presentation. And you're like, great. Here's my audience that nobody can fill. Can you yeah. fill it? Mm-hmm. And I remember there was one, one organization where, um, I went to them and I said, here is our, our audience definition. I am really curious if you can do this with your proprietary sample. And they came back. Yeah, absolutely. We can totally do that. Bless their hearts. Right. I mean, a for effort. They, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were really excited about this opportunity. They go, they run the research. Then the first thing that I hear back from them is, so we maxed out. Five. Uh, the people who met your requirements in our proprietary sample. So if you do use our proprietary sample, it's going to have to be like once a quarter because <laughs> that's how it, because we just barely hit the minimum that you say you need in order for you to be able to use this data elsewhere. And I'm like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Thank you for playing. I will now go back to my traditional waiting for six months before I use information. Which is fine. I mean, you know, I think it's just, that's, it's just the world that you live in. Yeah. Um, And that's fine. And those are like the qualifications. And if it was easy, it's what I repeat to myself every day on a run. If it were easy, everybody would do it. It's fine. It's fine. But at the same time, it's kind of like when we go back to that idea of agile research, and yeah. being able to pivot and be flexible, that story kind of changes when you're talking about commercial research because there's only so many ways to find some of our folks. Yes. And, or B2B research. And yeah. it's so high stakes, I think, 
that it's expensive. And so to sit here and say, I will experiment with you, I'm down to experiment. Yeah. But there has to be some kind of reasonable assumption that what I'm going to get back is going to be usable. Right. Because I really don't have that much money to just throw away and and explain to my stakeholders that's it. That that's it. we got a total N of 30 mm-hmm. for all of that money that we just spent to experiment with this particular exactly. methodology, technology, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I would love to be agile. I'd love to hear about like new ways of doing B2B research. But at the end of the day, like sometimes you just have to put your feet on the ground and get it done. And that yeah. just means doing the same kind of things that you've done in the past yep. with resources that are reliable. Yeah. So yeah. what are some of the things that you, that came up for you this week? For me, part of it was, I was just thinking about the fact that it felt like so much of, and I'll caveat this with the B2C world of research it's come down to sample is sample is now super cheap. We have so many sample providers and can get sample very quickly. We have ways of automating the research itself so that you can have always on research and you can just ping it every, you know, however often you want, because it's always collecting data. You can, do all of these different things that now have become somewhat common, more common than not in the B2C market research landscape. But then as I thought about all the automation pieces, I started to think back about our discussions that you and I have had about, about diversity, equity, and inclusion in research. And one thing just kept coming back and it was, well, we can automate where we can, right? One of the places where we keep thinking about automating is sample, sample being the people who are actually taking your surveys. And any, as soon as I thought of that, I remembered Mario's story of the website that had been translated into Spanish, wasn't generating the money that they expected it to generate because they didn't realize until a Latinx person was looking at the data and provided their perspective on it that, Hey, you know, that uptick that you're seeing on the English version of the website, you actually look at that. Those are the family members whose, whose older family members um, found your products on the Spanish website, went to the person in the family who has a credit card, Mm -hmm. has an account Mm -hmm. and that person, the internet. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started thinking, and then the other story that I was remembering that Mario had talked about was um, just the way that the Latinx population responds differently yeah. to technology as a whole. And if you try to automate that, well, you're removing that personal touch that they need in order for them to feel confident about using the technology and providing their information to you. But then... Then it, it that ended up cascading into Pepper's talk about making spaces open for everyone, letting the Black consumer be Black when they're giving their, their feedback. And how do you create an automated system that allows, that allows every that. people to be who they are? 
right? And then thinking about Marianne talking about how one access all of one <laughs> yeah <laughs> company the one actually survey an, provider an, that can do that right right and so suddenly I'm like oh I think I'm seeing an issue here where if we keep moving so fast towards this agile mindset for everyone we're leaving out who are you being agile for and that's yeah. the question like why are you doing this? Are you doing this to save dollars? Are you doing this to just be faster? Are you doing this so you can, I don't know, have a template that's readily available for the majority of your customers? Because if any of those things are the reason why you're doing this, then you're leaving out your like by default and almost by definition, leaving out underserved groups of the population that have always been left out because of, because of money, because of ease, because of um, wanting to serve, like to be um, more accessible to the largest organizations like I guess who the main customer is of most of the largest organizations you know right right and if we peel it back even to continue peeling that back when you look at what agile means it means being super flexible being super fast being able to iterate on a bunch of things right agile has its roots in the in the computer science world yes the reason agile even is a thing is because it was a new way of releasing software products without necessarily having your customer have to wait two years before they had the newest version of whatever piece of software. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you when you said agile of what we were going to be talking about. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be honest in commercial research. I haven't heard this, but in my developer research, (laughs) like that's how I have the context of how to speak to this. Yes. But yes. of course, you on the market research tech side, of course. Uh, always I'm hearing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where we live and breathe is trying to provide agile solutions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's based in technology, technologies that, that that's accessible to a white middle class population. Mm-hmm. And it's catered to that population. So if you were to replace the question or revise the question, I guess, or um, or just change it somehow from when does agile research just become research? I'm curious, what are the questions that you have that are similar to like, when is it that we are going to accept these things in research as table stakes? Um, I mean, for me, like, data quality needs to stop being a conversation. It needs to just be understood. Mm. So like, because I'm in that B2B space, I don't want to sit here and wonder whether or not the people that we're talking to are actually the people that we're talking to. Or are actually people and not bots. And are actually people and not bots. But that hasn't quite happened yet, right? Like, yeah. 
that hasn't quite happened. And that might be because there needs to be more or different innovative ways of recruiting for panels or recruiting for qual research. Like things just need to shift. Right. We need to go, like Mario said, we need to go to where they are. We can't assume that respondents of whatever category or segmentation are going to come to us. I also think that something else like we've touched on that needs to be just table stakes is like I don't love at the end of research now realizing that we have heard 98% of our responses from the one segment of the population, whether it's we have 98% men, we have 98% white people, we have you know, whatever that might be, like, then, okay, actually not okay, that's not okay. And when we look at our customer base, like, that's probably not the case of our customer base. Right. So, and of course, we've had this conversation with so many folks that we've talked to. At what point do you sit and say, I want our sample to reflect our customer base versus... When do you want to expand your customer base? Because at some point you're going to have to talk to people who don't look like your customers. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I think to add on to that, just to build on that, there is also an element of all of this takes money and it takes time. Mm -hmm. And so at what point, at what point do you finally switch from I want to save money with all of these different methodologies that are being used for me to get my research and you pivot to, I want to get the best research I can, higher data quality, more representative of the, of the general population. I need to be sure that I'm not having out of an N of 100, two people are from the black community. And now I'm expecting that those two responses, I'm going to weight them so that they can Mm -hmm. speak for the entire community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When does that become the norm? And then we can layer in now that we have this as table stakes, multicultural research, DEI is embedded in our approach. It's part of our ethos as a research community. Now let's look at the technological overlay on that to help where it's where it can help without excluding. I think it comes from the top. Like it's just like if you're going to do it for research and if you as a company or you as a salesperson or you as a stakeholder or me as a research designer or whoever it is, if you are being encouraged from the top of wherever you are, that it is important to be focusing on this in hiring. It's important to be focusing on this for retention and promotion and for um, all of those things. If it is an ethos for your company, it will be an ethos for you. And as you're developing your products and as you're choosing which products to work with, like if, if you are presented with a very inexpensive, maybe fast solution that doesn't guarantee that the results that you're getting reflect your ethos and another solution that might be 
10% more budget, but reflect your ethos and values, your org shouldn't have a problem investing in that. Right. It's an investment. Like the research that you do, the... At any level, the research that you do is an investment in your business. And if you're not willing to make sure that your investment is adequate, then you're wasting your money. And it becomes a question of which are you valuing more, the dollar or the di- or the information or the people? The people. Right, exactly. Right? Like which are you which like, are you actually valuing because if you're mm-hmm. selecting if your selection criteria, if you examine it and it doesn't include people at all, then there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. If your selection criteria for what technology you're going to use is solely driven by price, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I, as we're talking, I can't help but think that there's, I'm surprised that there hasn't been already, but I think there's going to be a point at which there is some type of reckoning within the research industry that says we have spent so much time going for faster and cheaper that we completely ignored including and data quality and actually getting the populations that we need to get to answer the questions to give us real information. Mm-hmm. So who do you think this sits with? Like, does this sit with the client? Does this sit with the, like, sample providers? Does it sit with, who, who does this sit with? I think it starts with the customer. Mm -hmm. Because it's been the customer that, I had this conversation with, um, with someone who is an executive at, at, at a technology company, a market research technology company. And we were talking about data quality, sample quality, Mm -hmm. needing to be sure that this was the, that we focus on this and do our due diligence and make sure that things are better. And the response that I got was something that I, I still wrestle with. And it was, well, Z, I totally hear you. And I think that's absolutely important. The problem is the customer won't pay for it. The customer will cry that will cry foul that the data is not accurate and the data is not quality. But when you tell them how much it's going to cost in order for them to get the data quality that they want, they're suddenly not caring about the data quality anymore. Okay, rebuttal. Why would we even be offering a solution that doesn't have data quality? Like why why is the less expensive option even on the table? That's a really good rebuttal. I mean, I if I were somebody that was, I don't know, I would, it's- I think, I think the answer to your rebuttal, Christina, is because it ended up being so low priority and we're able to get the numbers. I have seen too many cases where the option is presented because it gets you the numbers and the time frame that, that is being demanded by the customer. Mm-hmm. And you bring up, Hey, but aren't you concerned about the data quality? Well, but what matters more to me is that I get the data when I need the data. I don't know. I, I, yeah, that's hard. Hey. Yeah. If this had been solved, we wouldn't be talking about it. I know. (laughs) 
but like it's frustrating. It's 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 like a it's like a shampoo company that's like, listen, I've got this five dollar bottle of shampoo, and I've got this three dollar bottle of shampoo. Yeah, and you can have the three dollar bottle of shampoo literally right now. We're gonna have to order the five dollar bottle of shampoo, and it will get mailed directly to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll just be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Your $5 bottle of shampoo actually has soap in it. <laughs> Your $3 bottle of shampoo, it doesn't even smell good. Which one do you want? You can have it now. It doesn't smell yeah. good. Or you can have it tomorrow. Right. And then, like, it's actually shampoo inside of that bottle. Right. Like, I want my shampoo to work. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> I, I am also just hearing the the person that's like, why not Amazon two hour Prime? Why not Prime now? Amazon has <laughs> too much money. <laughs> Give me the five dollar bottle of shampoo. Why why can't why can't you deliver it to me in two hours? Because it loses its good smell when it's in two hour transit. <laughs> support local businesses. Hashtag support, Hashtag. support local businesses. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. It's a tough call. I honestly think, well, I want to sit here and, and I feel like self-righteously say it's the customer that needs to come forward and be willing to pay. I think you're right. I think it, honestly, it takes everyone on every side of this equation. One, absolutely. Uh, 100% absolutely. And it's an entire shift in the industry. Like it's a shift in the industry on all of the sides yeah. To not even offer the the fast, cheap, shitty option. Yeah. <laughs> Just gonna put it out there. <laughs> it's like, you know, you you always say you can't have like there's always the gosh, what is it called? This is the the three. You the can three. have like you can have it fast, you can have it cheap, or you can have it good. And right. you can't have all three. You can only have two out of the two three. three. Yeah. But like, why not? Right. Why not? Right. At what point did we become okay with only having two of the three? I mean, at what point was it like, we get two. Yay. <laughs> that is true. I don't know. It's like, I don't know though, but be, I don't know. So I was listening to something and honestly, again, I have some bubbles in my brain, which is fine. And I can't remember what medium I was listening to, but I was listening to something and it was like, well, and this isn't going to change until we change it and da da da. And there's a big, you know, whatever. And, and it had to do with D, D and I. And my immediate rebuttal was like, okay, great. So what are we actually doing about it? Like if we're actually acknowledging that it's a thing, like, okay, what's being done? So here we are. Words into action. Yeah. But like, what do we do? (laughs) Yeah. That's like, and, and that's it, right? I, this is the crux of every piece of research of like, okay, well here, thank, thank you for this information. It's nice to know. Now what? Like, what do we do with it? Yes. And there are some (laughs) conversations that it just ends with like, okay, well, at least we both acknowledged and it's on the table. 
Right now, now we, right now we feel better about it. <laughs> we feel better about it, but like, but still, nothing gets done. Yeah, yeah. And whose job is it? Like, we can't do everything, right? And to be honest, like, I mean, I don't know. Is this something that I would go out and personally like solve? Likely, I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. Like, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not gonna be one of those things. At least right now in my life, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to, but, you know. Yeah. Yep. So you start to think a little bit about as much as we, like, how much are you just talkers? Like, are you talking for no reason? Yeah. And then you think, well, because I host a podcast. And that's literally everything we do is just talking for not no reason, but like (laughs) 75%. (laughs) well so here's what I'm gonna where I want to end on Mm -hmm. is a challenge for the two of us but also for anyone who listens to this episode every change starts with small steps and I think there are small steps being taken in the industry by a number of different people in different organizations Mm -hmm. and so I would say I would leave everyone with the challenge of what one step can you put into action this next week or this next two weeks? Just a tiny little experiment to start making a change. Mm -hmm. Because it's got to start somewhere. Like you said, we can't just sit and talk about it and bemoan it. We have influences of varying sizes in which we can affect change. So what change can we start affecting today? In so many different parts of our lives. Yeah. I'm all about it. Pick one, do it, and let's let's keep pushing to make things better. Done. I'm all about it. Thanks, Z. Thanks, Christina. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of MR Explorer. You can find us online at M-R-X-P-L-O-R-E-R, that's mrexplorer.com, or you can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Links will be in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and we look forward to exploring more topics about market research with you soon.